A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul addressed the people in these words, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city. At the feet of Gamaliel, I was educated strictly in our ancestral law and was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to death, binding both men and women and delivering them into prison. Even the high priests and the whole council of elders can testify on my behalf. For from them I even received letters to the brothers and set out for Damascus to bring back to Jerusalem in chains for punishment those there as well. On that journey, as I drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from the sky suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I replied, Who are you, sir? The Lord answered me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything appointed for you today to do. Since I could see nothing because of the brightness of that light, I was led by hand by my companions and entered Damascus. A certain Ananias, a devout observer of the law and highly spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and stood there and said, Saul, my brother, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors designated you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be his witness before all, to what you have seen and heard. Now, why delay? Get up and have yourself baptized, and your sins washed away, calling upon his name. <laughs>
Dominus Fabiscum. Alexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Marcum. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak new languages, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Verbum Domini. Today we celebrate the feast of the conversion of St. Paul. And this is a, a real conversion, right? Paul has a complete change of direction here, change of everything. We're told in, in Acts 8, chapter 8, that Saul laid waste to but Saul laid waste the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. You know, at the stoning of Stephen, right, they lay their cloaks at the feet of Paul. He was on the wrong side, and then he joined the right side. He changed his life. He was mistaken and then converted to the truth of Christ. And some have said, by the prayers of St. Stephen, when he was being stoned, and Paul was there, he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christian, that the prayers of St. Stephen would lead to this most dramatic conversion. Paul himself said that I persecuted this way to the death. I persecuted, what they called you know, the Christian life, the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders bear, wit bear me witness, from them I received letters to the brethren and I journeyed to Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. So we're told he was still breathing murderous threats. That's the phrase used in the scriptures. He goes to the high priest to get these letters. He's on his way to Damascus and is knocked to the ground. He studied under Gamiel and was a scholar. So something in him was seeking truth and had some openness to it, but he was knocked to the ground in his encounter with Christ. And Jesus tells him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul is his Hebrew name, his Jewish name. His Roman name is Paul. In the, in the New Testament, it's recorded as Paul. So why are you persecuting me? He's identifying, Jesus is identifying with his church, that our church is divinely 
established, instituted, that the church is the body of Christ, Jesus is the head, and he encounters this church. You know, in this great persecution, the, and the people that are put to death in this persecution, again, you know, their sufferings, sacrifices are redemptive in his conversion in the most profound way. John Paul II, in speaking about conversion, he said the initial ardent proclamation of the gospel by which a person is one day overwhelmed and brought to the decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ by faith is overwhelming when we encounter Christ in some way, maybe through preaching, maybe through uh, service to others, maybe encountering a, a holy person, you know, that Jesus is present in them. And it's this can be an overwhelming experience. And some people as well maybe have a step-by-step a -step encounter, a deepening encounter. Some are maybe very dramatic, but it's Christ that converts. And, and that initial proclamation, that encounter is necessary for catechesis to really take hold. The teachings of the church. You know, we form a person in the teachings of the church after they've been evangelized, after they've encountered the Lord in some way, so that they care, so that we grab hold of it. I know in my own experience, you know, I was born and raised Catholic and had this conversion experience, and then I took to the books. You know, I read stuff. I read catechetical materials, right? And that's kind of a natural progression. We want to learn more. We want to know more. And also, we see in this experience that it clearly comes from above, that this revelation, this truth of Jesus Christ comes from above. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, I know a man in Christ, speaking of himself, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. So he was taken up into heaven, had some profound experience of God when he was knocked to the ground. And now he just, you know, he recognizes his weakness and the difference between the creature and the creator, that everything comes from God. I say all this because sometimes we lose sight that this precious truth comes from above, that God is coming to save us. In no way do we save ourselves. No way do we come up with the plan. Sciences do not tell us this. This is revelation from God. This is a precious truth and knowledge experience that comes from God himself, that he's active in our lives, he's working in our lives. And yet we see that it's not one and done, you know, that this event, you know, there's still progress, there's still further to go in our faith life, in our spiritual journey, that our 
full conversion takes time and struggle. That we're trying to surrender to God, we're trying to give, as Paul would write in Romans, this obedience to faith, and sometimes that's small steps in our life. And we, I, I was talking to someone recently that, you know, we, we have to make sometimes those surrenders just in the moment, as Mother Angelica would talk about. You know, I know some people talk and they, they raise the question about, you know, do you trust God? Do you surrender to God? And to me, in many ways, it's like this overwhelming question. I can't speak about the future. I'm not there yet. You think about all the difficult things that can happen in life. You know, I can't say what I'm going to do there, but right now, right now in this moment, I can surrender to God. I can trust him, you know, just for today. And we see that we progress along the way. Paul would tell us in Philippians 2 to work out our fear, and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. There's struggle. We have the law. We have the commandments to guide us. We have grace to sustain us. That God's working in us and all that. He's enlightening us with his teachings, with the moral path. And then I'm struggling to surrender, to receive that grace and not go back to my own will. You know, not to live in my own weakness, but to live in his light. Paul would write in Romans 7, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He said this over 20 years after being knocked to the ground. We can all say this. I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. After seeing the light, Paul is still struggling with this. And haven't we all experienced that? We're baffling to ourselves. Why do I do that? It's because we're wounded by sin. We have a fallen human nature. You'd write, in Romans 7, a little bit later, for I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. <laughs> I can will what is right, but I can't do it. I can even want to do the good, which even that is God's grace, but I can't do it of my own fallen human nature. I need God's help, that our will cooperates with grace. So I need to depend on God. I need to stay in that present moment. I need to ask for his help. Our fallen human nature, our flesh, as Paul speaks of it, leaves us with a weakened will, a darkened intellect. We have ignorance, you know, lack of clarity about things at times. We have to struggle to know the truth. And so much of life is that, you know, trying to figure out what is the right thing to do in this situation. We have to call upon God to ask for his help and grace to be enlightened. The church teaches, the Vatican II, the Catechism talks about it's only in the mystery of the word that light is shed on the mystery of man. That Jesus is the only 
solution to this, that he reveals ourselves to us, to ourselves, that he reveals who we're called to be, how we are to act. That comes from above. There's elements of truth in the world, but the fullness of truth comes from Jesus Christ. And we see in our hearts that we have a yearning for this truth. We have a thirst to attain full knowledge of it, to bring our lives into conformity with it. There's something, you know, we see that in our, seek, in our seeking and study in the natural sciences. We want to know the truth. And especially in our own lives, to know this moral truth, the path of salvation, and that struggle with grace to conform our life to it. But the good news is, and what stands out in this feast today, is that the beauty of truth shines out from Christ. And that the church presents this truth to us over the centuries, you know, reading the signs of the times, that expression Vatican II uses, that to answer the needs and aspirations of people in whatever period of history. There's no situation and difficulty that is beyond this truth of Christ that can enlighten us and show us the way. And the path to a moral life opens us to salvation. I just say all this because it's a precious truth that, Christ, that Paul encounters and that he changes his life, that he conforms his life to. He was persecuting Christians, and then he becomes this great pillar in the church, has a mission to the Gentiles to go and proclaim this gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. And he struggles, and we struggle, and we have a mission to proclaim this gospel to the ends of the earth as well.